Are you tired of setting goals and resolutions that never seem to stick? Do you find yourself lacking the motivation to make positive changes in your life? Well, what if I told you that there is a powerful secret to transforming your life that doesn't rely on sheer willpower or fleeting motivation? Today, we're diving in the world of habits and covering the hidden secrets to sustainable self-growth and development. We are taking lessons from two books, The Power of Habits and Atomic Habits. So if you're planning to start exercising, running a marathon, picking up reading, here is your chance to make a small change that will revolutionize your life. And stay tuned until the end because we're going to be discussing the one key hack that can triple your success into forming a new habit. So you may be thinking to yourself, oh God, here comes habits again. (laughs) It's a topic we've covered a few times before, and I'm sure you've seen, whether it be in books or online or in TikToks or on Instagram, YouTube, wherever, and you might be wondering why even mention them. We've already gotten the picture. Let's be honest. We're all human. Shout out to all our animals listeners, and no offense in what I say next, but it's likely that we fell off at least one of our habitual horses, metaphorically, and never got back on it. It's okay. You can be kind to yourself. Thankfully, there are many ways to climb back on. So if you are waiting patiently for a sign, whether that's from God or the universe or Einstein's son or something, or in the name of Michael Jackson's last concert, this is it. We are giving you the fundamentals again in a new digestible format. So please just lend us your ears, enjoy this refresher, and then on this occasion, unlike last time, put these principles into action and keep them. So which habit have you dropped in the last six months? I've dropped one recently, which was my consistency in step walks and uh, gym. And it's funny that we're doing this episode because it's like, it's so true. It's likely you drop something and then you need to just pick it back up. Uh, so I'm literally picking these back up. So this is always apt and timely. What about yourself? Uh, it's funny because on the last time we were talking about this, I was like, yeah, man, meditation. I've been doing meditation. Guess what dropped? Meditation dropped. <laughs> <laughs> but how long ago did you drop it? Because for me, it's very recent. And it's like, it's like a point. It's, I- it's been a while, man. There, there oh, is yeah. spiderwebs in my uh, meditation corner. <laughs> This man made it the anarchy corner. He's been repainting it black and everything. <laughs> I was going to say though, because in both cases, say yours has got cobwebs and mine is real new. It doesn't matter. I feel like it's all a mindset where it's like, is it dropped or it, like you can literally pick it back up again? And that's why this episode is key, right? It's like, what was I supposed to do again? No. How does this work again? The hardest point is making sure it, like you get back on it. It's really get back on it. This episode really is for myself and you, to be fair. (laughs) That means we have to check in on what we just talked about in the next time we go through habits, doesn't it? (laughs) No one is, no, 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 no. I'm going to check in on your meditation. (laughs) Before we dive into the framework, let's understand why habits are far superior to simple motivation when it comes to transforming your life. So while motivation may initially provide a burst of energy, it tends to be temporary and unreliable. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me take you back to the last time you got excited about something. Maybe you were watching the Olympics, maybe you were watching a football match and you thought, oh my God, that's amazing. I want to be that person. I want to do that. 
And you know, you had that feeling of pride inside of you, almost like a fire in your chest. Well, ladies and gents, that's motivation. You were inspired by something. You were moved by something. I like that motivation um, does like moves you, but it doesn't really move you. <laughs> you get what I mean? <laughs> like, oh man, my heart feels flutters, but my feet feel stutters and they sit still and they just <laughs> don't move. You're, you're full of one liners today. <laughs> But motivation is really powerful. And I, re- I remember when I was reading the David Goggins books, um, and we discussed them here as well. The stories from David are inspiring. They're crazy. And when you go through them and you understand what you had to overcome, you're just like, you're blown away really. And as you listen to it or as you read it, you feel the adrenaline, you feel the dopamine build up, and you want to live it yourself. Unfortunately, although it's an amazing feeling, it doesn't last. And when motivation progressively dissipates away, it just leaves us feel vulnerable to procrastination and inconsistency. And we go back to our old way of being. And here is a secret. We go back to our old habits. And that's how powerful habits are, right? We, we already have a ton of them. Some of them, however, are not conducing to the lifestyle that we want or are not leading us to become the person that we want to be. And some of them are just not healthy at all. And they are powerful. They draw us back into those automated actions at a snap of a finger. Mm. So if you're, if so far you're getting the gist of why habits can outwork motivation, then congratulations. You're halfway through the battle and one third through this episode. <laughs> the other half of the battle is healthy habit creation. We'll call it healthy because it is what you want. Not what our lazy brain has decided to put together under the guise of convenience without consideration for any consequences. Healthy habits are the building blocks of sustainable change, continual change, better change. (laughs) When they are on, they work on autopilot. Smooth sailing, right? Well, kind of. (laughs) They require at least less mental effort, less active motivation, and less willpower. Habits become ingrained in our daily routines. You don't even realize you're doing them, which leads to long-term transformation. Now, if you're on board with this, and we don't have to keep discussing why habits deserve a bigger deep, a big deep dive, or why we're bringing this ha- rehashing this topic, let's explore a four-step framework for creating habits that we will now actually stick to. So, here's a start of the four-step framework. The first step in creating a habit is establishing a clear cue or trigger. So, a cue is something that prompts you to take action automatically without conscious thought. It could be a specific time of the day, a location, an event, or even an emotional state. For example, if your goal is to develop a daily habit of exercise, Your cue could be as simple as putting on your workout clothes as soon as you wake up. By linking your desired behavior of going running to that specific cue, you then are setting the stage of consistent action. And I know I've said this before, but I have gone as far as going to sleep with my running gear so that in the morning, as soon as I see myself in the mirror, I know that I've got a trigger available for me. Wait, in your running gear? 
I went to running. I went to sleep with my running shorts and my running top. Don't judge me. It worked. And I thought you was gonna say running shoes because then I was gonna ask how your wife like sleeping in bed with her. <laughs> like a dog running in their dream. <laughs> no, that, that's only when she uh, lets me sleep in the garden. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes. We don't ask questions about Valeria's relationship. Anyways, the next step is the craving step. This step is all about cultivating a desire for the habit you want to form. You want to form. I'm going to go back to these healthy habits, right? You need to associate the behavior with a positive outcome that appeals to you, specifically you, not to someone else, not to your family, not to your cousin, (laughs) but to yourself. If you go back to the exercise example that Valerio gave, you could focus on the feeling of increased energy, improved mood, and the overall well-being that comes from regular physical activity. I know, I know people say this and then you're like, I don't like exercise. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but when they're like endorphins get released and there's a reason why people are in the gym never finished, even if you look at them and be like, I think you've clocked the gym, they're still never finished. It is because there are benefits <laughs> to physical activity. So this step is almost a visualization. If you think about the seven habits of highly effective people, which we've discussed before, the author says that everything is created twice, once in your mind and once in the real world. And a lot of us keep it in our minds, but I'm pretty sure... <laughs> We can take it to the real world if we um, at least utilize this first, this second step of craving. So a little bit of a side tangent and just, just to provide the picture. So recently when I've been training for my, for my half marathons and marathons, I've been finding it really hard to get back into a rigid training routine. Yes, I've been running until now. I've had the half marathon in Oxford last year, and I've been keeping up running two, three times a week for, I don't know, probably a total of about 10 to 14 miles a week. However, I'm finding it really hard to follow the same routine that I was doing pre-Oxford, which is really rigid, gets me to work out practically almost like four or five days a week. So as part of the visualizing concept, I've actually been visualizing something which is reaching my end goal. So my end goal at the moment is crossing the London Marathon finish line. So I've been almost visualizing in my head those moments that will carry me through crossing the London Marathon line. I feel like you sleep now with a London Marathon uh, line on your bed. So when you wake up, you just go through the line (laughs) and be like, look, (laughs) dreams do come true. I visualize it. (laughs) I hope that takes you past it. I guess by fueling your craving, you're more likely to stay committed to your habit, right? So, yeah, good luck with that. I believe in your visualizations. I believe it too, until my knee starts hurting again. <laughs> this is the age, age final. That's 1900s. Here, our last episode, if you're wondering. <laughs> the third step involves defining a clear response or action that you take when the cue triggers the the craving. So this response should be simple and easy to execute. So if we go back to our exercise habit, your response should be really straightforward, as straightforward as lacing up your trainers and going for a 15-minute walk around the block or perhaps a short-minute run, whatever it is that you're trying to do. And by keeping the response uncomplicated, you remove any barriers and make it easier to follow through consistently. I feel like that's a, well, that's an interception, right? <laughs> for for non-habits or habits you don't want to have. 
if you have a cue and you're like, this is the, I know this. And I, that takes some self-awareness, although we did talk about how millennials and Gen Zs are <laughs> most self-aware <laughs> gens right now. But still, yeah, it takes some self-awareness to be like, when I do A, it triggers B, so I need to get to C uh, or get to H in this case, get to that habit. But that all leads us to that final step in this four-part framework, which is to establish a reward that reinforces your habit. You get treats. <laughs> I liken on us to dogs again. You get treats here. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, it works for dog training. Surely it can work for human training. Operational conditioning, man. Do it to yourself. <laughs> but yeah, rewards create positive associations and provide a welcome sense of satisfaction, which in turn makes you more likely to repeat the behavior in the future. So your rewards can, of course, be intrinsic, such as feelings of accomplishment after completing your exercise routine or extrinsic, like treating yourself to a healthy snack, or better yet, leave the snacks alone and try indulging in a relaxing activity. Uh, that way, it's uh, actually pivotal in this framework to celebrate your successes. You don't just let them happen and take it as another day. Actually cheer for them and celebrate them. And then let the reward solidify your habit in your mind. Because as we all know, when you celebrate a success, you release dopamine or one of the other four chemicals. I forgot which one. And that means that you start oh, associating... One of the many, and you start associating the behavior, the achievement together with the dopamine, which is crack. And on to the final topic, which is the one hack that will triple your chances of success. And the one secret about habit hacking that everyone should do is to start small with tiny habits. So in both Atomic Habits and the Power of Habit, this concept is emphasized as a key to success in habit formation. And the idea is to focus on actions that are so small and easy that they require minimal effort and willpower to complete. I think I know what you might be thinking. Like, treble my success. Oh, the trick was I was starting too big. <laughs> so all I need to do is take off the cheese on my pizza and now I'm good. <laughs> but... By starting with these tiny habits, you at least remove the barriers that often hinder progress. It's like if you go in the gym and you try and lift 100 kilos, you're like, why? What am I doing? I might as well leave. Whereas <laughs> if you start low and figure out where it gets to that, I guess that friction, that's where you can make a benefit from it. It's way easier to commit to a habit that takes just a few minutes or requires minimal energy than to tackle a daunting task that feels way too overwhelming. For example, if your goal is to read more, Instead of committing to read a whole book every week, take it down a notch. Start by just reading one page per day. And if that's too much, you're allowed to go to a paragraph. I had a colleague who every morning, they did these habits spectacularly. They'd read Atomic Habits and they were they said every morning they were going to go for a run, but only for five minutes every morning. And they celebrated it. It was an achievement. They gave themselves the reward, the dopamine hit, and they did that consistently. They did five minute runs mornings. Uh, more consistently than people do their half an hour to an hour runs, <laughs> which means they probably built up and they did see progress from it. Albeit, they didn't increase it, but that's their business. <laughs> they were doing this exact principle, starting somewhere which was so easy. And remember, for them to do this habit, which was five-minute uh, runs in the morning, morning is key. They'd wake up early, they'd get themselves out the house and then run for five minutes, which, to be honest, for some people, including myself, would be the hardest bit. If I said I'm just going to run for five minutes, I go to the gym anytime and do that. But it's like, I'm going to do this in the morning. All of those factors add up and thus you celebrate it and they kept repeating it. 
I'll check in and see if they're still doing it at some point. But the key here is to make it so easy that you can't say no. Like it's ridiculous to say no. In fact, it makes less sense to say no to this new smaller habit than it does to do it. And that's why you do it. No, 100%. And, and I think the beauty of starting small is that it allows you to build the momentum and consistency. And that's what your colleague has done. And once you establish a habit by consistently performing it time and time again, in its simplest form, you can gradually increase the difficulty or the duration over time, which is probably the part that uh, your colleagues maybe hasn't done so yet. <laughs> but it's, it's a possibility, and that's why it works so well. And the incremental progression keeps you engaged and motivated. And as each step forward feels attainable, you are motivated to do more and more and more as, as time goes on. And I found it really interesting because, you know, th this makes all sense on paper. And um, I, I find myself in, in conversations, uh, you know, I see relatives or I see friends and they're like, oh, you know, um, what are you up to nowadays? You know, which runs are you going to be doing next? And uh, recently I've been telling them, well, you know, I've got uh, half a marathon coming up at the end of June, which is going to be in Leamington. I got another half marathon booked in, uh, in Oxford and then I got the London Marathon in, uh, in April. And they were like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And I could never do that. Now, actually, you could. You could do that. The problem is that a lot of people, they, they look at their current state where they are and they think, I could never run that 26 miles. But the trick of running the 26 miles is breaking it down and do it progressively. And that, that's what, well, that's what Peloton actually does really, really well. They've got a, a, a training program for marathons. And they literally start from the smallest steps. You know, they, they get you out on the first 20 minute run. And you run and you walk, you run and you walk on the first session. Like it doesn't feel hard. And then progressively you get to a point where you are eventually running 26 miles after, I think it's about 16 or 18 weeks. And the key there is progression and building that routine that eventually gets you to push you to a point where you're achieving something and building up onto your original skills. So if we look back, um, Valerio was one of these people who just did not, well, maybe you did see yourself there, but you weren't actively doing it. And I remember the episode where you'd gone to a function and someone had informed you they were going to do a half marathon. And you'd always been like, I want to do that. <laughs> and if you fast forward to today where he's casually saying i got this half marathon here i got this half marathon there i got the full marathon here that is a totally different person because if you listen to our earlier episodes he was the penitent guy <laughs> he 100 percent was cycling in house and running was not in his uh i guess in his vocabulary as much as yeah as much as it came cycling like maybe he'd do that by accident because he couldn't be on the bike or something so that's where he started from and then he became like actually it's not i wish it's i will and that change in i guess that language shifted it and it was by starting small of course he already owned the peloton so then he just transformed it like he's still bigging it up we are not sponsored by the way <laughs> although peloton if you're looking to sponsor after all that controversy <laughs> you've had please we'll take it but <laughs> if we talk about uh, it's, uh, sorry it, it, it's interesting because um uh, you know th th that's you know, makes case in point, but I, I love when people come and, and talk to me about it because I, I see it from my perspective and I'm like, it's almost as if you go to a three-year-old and you tell them, you suck at reading. You'll never be a spelling bee champion. Mm. Of course they suck at it. They can barely speak. Like give them a <laughs> chance to actually learn some vocabulary. And as they learn the vocabulary, they'll be able to do the spelling and maybe they'll have a chance of being a spelling bee. 
And that's what people try to do with uh, with habits. You know, they see themselves in the current point and they're like, I will never be able to do that because they can't get past the point where they can see themselves growing. We don't consider anyone trying anything a three-year-old, by the way. <laughs> if you're there like, all we hear is gaga, goo we ain't paying attention. <laughs> That's just a metaphor. But if you take these small steps, right, if you start small, it helps you overcome the resistance is basically what we're saying here. So this helps you overcome the resistance to be more precise. We'll call it the inertia. Remember I talked about that friction? It's the inability to move. You're not getting there. And that often accompanies new habits, especially these ones. That's part of it. Part and parcel of it is just not believing and saying it's not going to happen. Like, that's not me. That's impossible. Uh, be it that you're like a three-year-old trying to be a spelling bee. Some three-year-olds can spell. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but if you're there and maybe you started from school, like I knew my character in school was, oh, I am a mid-range student. I am not that smart. <laughs> and then time will come and find you and be like, you can be as smart as you want to. It depends on what you're really keenly interested in. When you make the, the habit like so easy that it becomes almost automatic, you're more likely to follow through even when motivation is low or the distractions inevitably crop up. I think that the perspective that Val gave is very apt and appropriate where it's the ones who have been like, I can never get there. But I'm sure there's a number of you listening who have been there and you remember that. <laughs> and that's one of my like biggest enjoyments when it comes to workouts we've been talking about it a lot this episode but it's the fact that you know that maybe it sucks when you get back in that gym but then you know that you'll build back up like it's it's a it's a stairway it's not a slide <laughs> and you have to take each step and sometimes you need to take a smaller step because if you're trying to jump uh, on these boxes already you're gonna hurt yourself <laughs> and that's gonna make you less likely to want to go up so it creates that positive feedback loop where you get the benefit of experiencing small wins consistently with each step. And as an added pro, this then reinforces your confidence and belief in your ability to create lasting change. That's probably why I go in the gym confident like, ah, I'll start from X, but I'm hitting Y and I'll be at Z. And it therefore helps aid your healthy. Remember, we started off saying this, make sure it's that healthy habit, not the one your brain wants, not the one where it's like, hey, you know, what's a good habit? Do nothing. <laughs> Move less. It's the healthy habit. And it stays present in this healthy cycle. You've got those small steps and you gradually increase them. And that's where you find that new you that you didn't think you could be. So if there is one secret to habit hacking that everyone should implement is to start small with tiny habits. Embrace the power of small steps and watch as they lead to significant transformations in your life. And remember that it's the consistency and persistence in the small actions that ultimately shapes the person that you become. And remember that that 1% that you put in every single day, if you add it up mathematically, you'll get 35% improvement over the course of a year. That's a big amount, by the way, for y'all thinking, oh, what about 50? <laughs> That's only if you did 1%, imagine. You can increase that. But no, as always, I have been your host, Mark Jasons, joined by my lovely co-host. Valerio Tommaso, I got a lovely out of it. It's a good day today. I've given you your flowers. That's enough for the year. <laughs> Let the war continue. I forgot what I'm supposed to say next. Until I think next it's next. <laughs> you know? Until next time. Adios. You just took me by surprise with that compliment. I'll crop it out as well, by the way. It's so easy to edit that audio.
He left me speechless. <laughs> he was like, like, what the? He said, lovely? Yeah, giving me props. I can be nice. I can be brown. I can be blue. I can be violet sky. 